Welcome to Quick Hits, the only podcast that gets you smartenized. Today's episode, A Little Dabble Do Ya. One of the coolest jobs that I ever had was working for one of the world's largest R&D centers for one of the world's largest companies. There were scientists from all over the planet doing all kinds of research and inventing and coming up with all kinds of cool stuff. And I learned a lot there that had nothing to do with what I was doing. I was uh, one of the many computer guys there that kept their computers up and running and And because they were scientists and engineers, curious people, they tended to screw up their computers in really cool, novel ways that uh, took a little work to figure out what was going on. You'd walk into a lab and somebody would say, hey, I've just discovered RegEdit, and you knew that you were going to be spending a lot of time with that person. One of the things that I learned about scientists in general is there's kind of an unspoken code where they will help each other out. Now, I'm not talking about walking across the hall to another lab and talking to one of the people they work with, but they would call up other people, sometimes even people working for competing companies, and say, gee, you know, I'm doing this and I'm not getting this result that I want, or I got this unexpected result, and they would discuss it and and trade information back and forth. It was kind of an unwritten code amongst them that uh, they would do this favor for each other. One day I was doing some computer work, for the chief safety officer, who was also a doctor of toxicology. And there was somebody who had come in from the outside, had nothing to do with the company, but they had done some research and they had a hard time believing what they had discovered. And so they were looking for somebody to verify it, somebody to see if they had made any obvious mistakes. This researcher was checking on radon and the relationship of radon to lung cancer. Now, the EPA, which is virtually entirely scientist-free, they say, okay, this amount is dangerous and this amount is more dangerous, so we're just going to draw a slanty line all the way down and there is no safe level of exposure, and they just kind of come up with this result that uh, they publish, and this is their fact. But what this guy was finding, and he was actually doing real research on actual data points, he was discovering that people with low levels of radon in their home had lower levels of lung cancer than people who had no radon in their homes. It seemed as if small doses of the radiation had a protective effect. And it was kind of an inverse bell curve where people with no radon had a higher level than normal of lung cancer, and then it dipped below the line for people that had some radon, and then as the amounts went up, all of a sudden the line shot right up because there was a a level that you hit and all of a sudden it got really dangerous. So I'm listening to all this while he's discussing it with the toxicologist and the toxicologist sent him off to somebody else to check his work. And I turned and I asked him, gee, that sounds really bizarre. Does that make sense to you? And the guy said, yeah, yeah, it does. We're discovering that low levels of exposure to toxins and even to radiation, seems to have a protective effect. 
We don't understand the mechanics of it. We don't understand how it works. There's lots of theories. And it's not an established science yet. But it appears that if the body gets a little radiation or a little toxin, it learns how to fight it off. It's almost like an immune system response, although it's a different process. It's a different procedure that's going on there. Now, this was eight or ten years ago, and I've since looked up some of this stuff. And it is a science, but it's a very, uh, it's a very controversial science. It's called hormesis. And I may be mispronunciating that because I, I couldn't find a pronunciation guide anywhere. But the idea is that low levels of exposure can protect you against larger exposures later on. Now, it turns out that this is not a new science. This is actually very old. Some people had discovered this back in the late 1800s. But then they got sidetracked into homeopathy. And homeopathy almost seems on the surface to be related to it. And it is a thoroughly discredited theory. Homeopathy, if you're not familiar with it, is the premise that, well, let's say you've got a stomach ache and say arsenic is known to give you a stomach ache. So we're going to give you a low, low dose of that. And then your body can fight it and get better. Sounds like what we were just talking about, right? But it doesn't work that way. Because with homeopathy, what you do is you take, say, a drop of arsenic and you put it in 10 gallons of water and you'd shake it all up really good. Believe it or not, it has to be shaken, not stirred. So it's very James Bondian. And then you take a drop of that from that 10 gallons and you put it in another 10 gallon container and you repeat the process. And then you do that again and again and again until the level of dilution is so high that when you buy your little $8 bottle of magic foo-foo juice from the pharmacy, I don't believe the pharmacies should even be selling this stuff, but they do. You buy your little $8 vial of this magic medicine, and maybe if you're lucky, it'll have one or two molecules of arsenic in it. Uh, maybe not, but somehow the water magically remembers it. That's why you have to shake it instead of stirring it, you see. And you take a few drops of this and you'll be cured. This is, of course, absolute nonsense. Uh, this is homeopathy has been tested in double blind studies and always failed miserably. And because of the connection, because of the similarity of hormosis and homeopathy, there is a problem with it being accepted in science. There's also a problem with funding research for it. How are you going to fund research when there really isn't a profit there that you can make? And what are you going to do with this research? Are you going to expose yourself, expose your kids to radiation and to dangerous chemicals at low levels and hoping that you will make them stronger later in life? Of course not. And the real problem comes when you're dealing with really dangerous stuff is that a, a dose that might be perfectly safe for me might be fatal to you or vice versa. So there's not really a huge practical application of this. So why even bring it up? What's the value of knowing this? Well, maybe, just maybe, we are too clean. We are too hygienic. I hear stories of People that have peanut allergies that are so severe that entire schools say nobody can bring a peanut butter sandwich to school because if somebody even smells it, they might go into shock. 
We didn't have allergies that severe when I was a kid. We have more people with asthma than we've ever had before. We've got more allergies than we've ever had before. And yet, we live cleaner than we ever did. Maybe. Maybe we're living too clean. Maybe there's nothing wrong with being a little dirty. So folks, if you're a parent and your kids are out and they're just covered in mud, don't yell at them. Let them go out and play in the dirt. Let them get messy. Let them get filthy. And who knows? Maybe, just maybe, they're protecting themselves against something bad happening later on in their life. I have no idea if this is true, but it's a possibility. It's just something to think about. And that's it for this episode of the Quick Hits Podcast. If you've learned a little something, if you've changed your mind, or even if you can just understand a different point of view without necessarily agreeing with it, congratulations. You've been smartinized. Yeah, I know. I missed the show, and this one's late. Uh, what can I say, folks? Real life keeps getting in my way. This is just a hobby, and it has to compete with my other hobbies, and sometimes I just just can't get to it, it seems. But I will try and make this up to you. I will try and have another one for you uh, very soon, uh, although that may just count as the one for the 15th. I don't know. It depends on what happens. But uh, no, I haven't pot faded. I'm just, uh, just not getting around to it as much as I would like to, as often as I would like to. And one of the things that inspires me to do this is hearing from all you folks. I have lots of email conversations, interesting conversations with people that agree, and especially with people who disagree. Got a lot of disagreement on the flat tax podcast. A lot of folks said, eh, now nah, they think the flat tax is a great idea and I'm all wrong. And well, if that's true, it certainly wouldn't be the first time. I had some interesting exchanges. Probably the longest exchange and most interesting I had was with uh, Don Venardos, who took me to task for using the Neil Bortz model instead of the Cato Institute model, which is much simpler and much more straightforward. He says uh, Neil Bortz is an idiot. And um, having read a lot of uh, Bortz's stuff, I would have to tend to agree with that. He does tend to be an idiot on quite a few subjects, including, I think, this one. And Don also questions some of the math. He points out that if you are paying a 30% payroll tax, if you only get uh, 70% of your of your paycheck, and you want to buy a $70 item, you've got to earn $100 before you can buy it. Whereas if you're getting 100% of your paycheck, and you pay a 30% tax on that $70 item, then it costs you $92, leaving you $8 left. So you're actually paying less, you're actually going to end up with a little more in your pocket when all is said and done. And he also brought up a point that I intended to bring up in the original podcast and didn't. It was one of the positive things about the flat tax, and that is every single time that you purchase something, you are going to be reminded very strongly of just how much the government is costing you. And that can only be a good thing. I occasionally receive things from older podcasts, past podcasts. This one came in from Kate 
from Australia. And this one, folks, this one just made me feel so good. Uh, and it probably won't have that effect on you because you don't have the same background that I do. But I'm just, it was brief. I'm just going to read the whole thing to you. Hi, Dave. Just listened to your Witness podcast. Loved it. I too was brought up in that religion, but unfortunately it took me about 30 years of cognitive dissonance. I am 43 now and have been free of the BS for eight years. And the example you used of Lot offering his daughters for rape and then having it off with their dad was the one thing I questioned above all else about 15 years ago. It was great to hear you getting out there to the masses and hope that some other luckless child born into this crap will be free of it at a younger age. I kind of don't regret my upbringing, if only in the sense that I have a pretty good general knowledge of the Bible, and that makes hearing Hitchens, Dawkins, and Harris an absolute pleasure. Thanks again. Dave, can you give us some more? Kate from Australia. Oh, that makes me feel so good, because I'll tell you what, I've seen an awful lot of people, people that I grew up with, and some of them got out of the cult, and then sooner or later ended up getting back into a different cult. In fact, one particular character has been in and out of three or four different ones in the search of the ultimate truth. And it's obvious, Kate, that now as a free thinker, you're pretty much immune to that. And that's just great. Ah, that just, that's just a wonderful thing to hear. To those of you who have never been trapped in something like that and gotten out into the real world, it's, it's difficult to describe. It's like leaving a very smoggy, horrible, dank, dark dungeon and walking into an autumn breeze. It's, uh, it's a wonderful thing, and it's always great to find other people who have done the same thing. Hey, if you've got the story to tell, or if you just want to agree or disagree, please, by all means, hitman at davehit.com, and you can get the correct spelling of that in the MP3 tags of this file. You can also go to davehit.com, spelled with two T's, and you'll find my email address all over the place, along with a bunch of other stuff there that you might find amusing or entertaining, and maybe even a little informative. As always, never forget that the Quick Hits Podcast is little more than a journal of one man's opinion, and therefore should not be taken too seriously. Seriously.